How are we all doing? See all the good looking people came out on a Saturday night? Is that right? Who's uh, sitting next to somebody good looking? Just lift up your hand if you're sitting next to somebody good looking. Keep your hand lifted up. Keep your hand lifted up and just check if the person next to you lifted their hand. Because uh, if they didn't lift their hand, say, get your hand up. Get your hand up. Well, it's such a great honour and privilege to be here. And uh, yes, I am from New Zealand. And in New Zealand right now, it's, uh, it's around about 10 o'clock at night. And so I'm somebody who's come from your future. So I know what the future holds, and I've come to speak into your present. And uh, I believe tonight and tomorrow morning, God really wants to move in this place. It's been a great conference. And I uh, love your pastors. Uh, how can you not like Charles and April? What amazing people they are. Come on, can you put your hands together? And just love what God's building in this place. And I just really felt uh, in the Spirit. Uh, that God is going to change your mode of transport in the next season. It was Henry Ford who said, uh, if I gave people what they wanted, I would have given them faster horses. Uh, but how many know a car is better than a faster horse? Too many people are trying to make their horse go faster. And it's almost like God saying, I've got a car for you, but you're going to have to change your mode of transport. Some people are going, man, uh, yeah, I've got God's purpose requires me to go overseas. But how many know you can't go overseas in a car? And it's almost like some of us are going, well, why aren't I moving forward? It's simply because you're stuck in a car where God's saying, I want to give you a plane. And I feel like in this next season, and I want you to judge this, work this through, that God's going to change the mode of transport in this church. I really feel like there's going to come a spirit of multiplication, uh, that God's going to multiply this church's influence and impact in many different areas. In fact, well, once I was in a prayer meeting and one of my staff members was praying so passionately. She said, God, we don't pray for one plus one. We pray for one times one. How <laughs> I many know we had to stop her right there? Uh, she didn't realize that actually uh, one times one was less than one plus one. And we wanted increase, not decrease. And so he said, yeah, we want a multiplication, but we want to see increase. And I believe you're, living, you're going to move into a season of increase, a, a season where you're going to see things multiplied. I believe there's a harvest. How many believe that with me? Come on, you receive that word. But that's going to require each and every one of us to change our mode of transport. Some of us right now are trying to make the horse go faster and God's saying, hey, you need to think about this differently because I'm going to give you a car. And some of us are in our car, uh, but there's only so far we can go there. And God's saying, I've got a plane and there's a mode of transport that God wants each and every one of us to get on board. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, I thank you you're in this place. I thank you you're going to minister into the hearts and lives of people today. Lord, I pray that your word would locate people and it would lift people higher. Lord, we don't want just another meeting. We want to encounter you. And I pray, Lord, that you come and seal every word with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, it was a wee while ago, I was in a worship meeting, not unlike tonight, where, you know, you could sense the presence of God. And I was about to minister, I was a lot younger at the time, but, uh, but I was about to minister. And then I got this picture of a, a dog that we used to own growing up. It was this big, fat, fluffy dog. And so worshiping God, and then suddenly I see this, this dog 
that we used to own before my eyes. But one thing about this dog is this dog had an appetite like nothing I've ever seen before, which was always helpful because, you know, when you're at dinner and you get something on your plate that you don't like, you know, some Brussels sprouts, some broccoli, you could guarantee that that broccoli would just disappear in a moment because that dog would eat anything. So you just slip it under the table and it would magically uh, disappear. But what would happen would be this dog would eat so much that it would come to a point where it would throw up. It would throw up all the food. Ugh. I don't know if you had dinner uh, tonight, but uh, yeah, it'll throw up. But if you ever seen a dog throw up, they don't just uh, throw up. Uh, they go back to their vomit and, and then they lick up. Yeah, you've seen that before? Yeah, you've seen that? It's disgusting. And so in the middle of this incredible worship moment, I get a picture of our dog throwing up and then going back to the vomit and licking it up. And I'm thinking, what the heck is this about? And then I, I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to a passage found in 2 Peter chapter 2. And uh, I went to this passage. And in this passage, it talks about how there's a group of people who have known a way of righteousness. So, so they're known a way of righteousness, but it says they've got entangled with sin again. So, so they've known God, but they go back to old ways of living. And in the New Living Translation, it says, it would be better off that they had never known because they don't just go back to always a living. In fact, the Bible talks about that they end up, because they get entangled with sin again, they end up in a worse off place than they were before. How many know when it comes to your walk with God, there's no going back? Come on, there's only one way. There's no turning back. There's only Ford and Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've been messed up for good. You know, at the age of 18, having been around church for a long time, I thought, man, if this is real, I've got to do something with this. I don't want to just play the religious game. You know, if these words are true, I've got to live by them and seek, it, and seek to see them outworked in my life. In fact, I worked out at the age of 18 that I'd listen. I grew up in a pastor's home. I listened to over 2,000 messages. So I used to sit in church and go, oh, I heard that before. Oh, that's a funny joke. And I often respond on the basis of how somebody preached. But I felt the Holy Spirit challenged me. And He challenged me through a verse in John chapter 8, verse 32, where it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you. Come on, how many want to live free lives? I need a little bit of help tonight. You know, the truth will set you free. But get this, the Holy Spirit said to me, Sam, you've heard a lot. You've read a lot. But he said, you don't know that much. I said, ouch, that, that hurts. Because that word no doesn't mean to, to just hear about the truth. It means to experience the truth. It means to see it outworked. It means to, knowing is when you learn through your five, uh, five senses. See, a lot of people today, we've heard the truth, we've read the truth, and there's many people who even can quote the truth. There's a lot of people with bachelors of theology. They've got the truth, but they're not living free because it's the truth that you know. It's only the truth that you know that has the power to set you free. And right there, I said, God, I don't wanna just have a belief in you. I wanna experience you. I wanna experience, I don't wanna just, you know, believe that you wanna save my friends. I wanna see my friends saved. I don't want to just believe that you heal. I want to see your healing power on display. And so I've got, I've got this feeling, I, I've got to do something with this. I can't go back to old ways of living. Because in this verse, it says to go back 
to get entangled with sin again is like a dog returning to its vomit. Or it's like a washed pig returning to the mud. I wanna say, where you are right now, God has an amazing plan and future ahead of you. But God's looking for a group of people who will take Him at His word. Come on, there's no going back. Just turn to your neighbour and say, there's no going back. Come on, Uni Hill Church, we're moving forward in Jesus' name. Come on, we're seeking out God's kingdom and we wanna see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, it was, it was some years ago, um, again, one of my jobs I had growing up was delivering newspapers. And I used to deliver them in the early hours of the morning, get up at quarter to five, six mornings a week and deliver newspapers. But one thing I hated in the delivery of newspapers was dogs would come at you from nowhere. You know, in the dark of the morning, it's like I find myself trapped into a corner with my bike in front of me, trying to get this dog to go, go away. And it, and it used to freak me out. It freaked me out quite a bit. My friend said to me, well, there's different ways of dealing with dogs. You know, you can deal with them differently. He said, well, one way is just to remain completely still and, and lie down if you need to. Eventually the dog will come up to you, sniff you, and, and then it'll walk away. How many know I wasn't up for trying that way? Uh, he said, the other way of dealing with dog is, is you can stare it down and, and show it no fear. How many know the worst thing you can do is show it fear? You know, in fact, if you run, it's gonna chase harder after you. Show no fear. He, he said, the other way is just to look it in the eyes, show it no fear and yell at it if you have to, you know, yell at it. Now there was one address on, on my, my round that I hated going near. I really hated going near because I heard the sound of this dog and I go, man, I don't want anything to do with that dog. And so instead of going near that house, what I do is when I came close to the house, I'd, I'd cross over to the other side of the street, I'd walk on the other side of the street, and then once I was past the address, I, I'd cross back over. It took me a lot longer to do my paper round. It, it, it took me a lot longer. You know, it, it would have been easier just to walk down one side of the street. But I didn't do that because I was intimidated by that dog. I, I didn't wanna go near it. One day I thought, man, this, this is stupid. You know, here I'm adjusting my, my behavior for, for this dog I've never seen. And so one day I thought, man, I'm gonna confront this. I'm gonna deal with my fear. And I decided I was gonna go down that one side of the street. So I walked down that one side of the street and, and sure enough, the dog heard me coming and, and it started barking. But I thought, I'm just gonna stare it down. I'm gonna look in the eyes and, and I'm gonna yell. So this is early in the morning and, uh, and I was getting ready. And then I saw this dog come out of the shadows. And what I thought was gonna be a big dog ended up being this little dog, this little dog. And I thought, all this time, I've been scared of that. All this time, I've been crossing over the other side of the street, adjusting my life, adjusting my behavior for that. Tonight in this place, we're gonna break and deal with the spirit of intimidation. Because some of us right now are accommodating things that God hasn't called us to accommodate. Some of us right now, it's like we're crossing the street. We're, we're not living out the thing that we feel in our heart God's told us to do because we're under the spirit of intimidation. How do you know whether you're under a spirit of intimidation? 
You're always adjusting your behavior to accommodate fear. And many of us, we're under the Spirit and we don't even know it. But I've got good news tonight. Because as Paul said to Timothy, he said to Timothy, stir up in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, stir up the gift that is within you. Come on, at this conference, we're gonna stir up the gift that God's placed in you. Stir up that gift that's within you. Some of you over COVID, that gift has been dormant. There's, there's been stuff piled on top of it. But I believe tonight we're gonna unlock that gift. Come on, stir up the gift that is within you. Because God hasn't given you a spirit of, come on, a spirit of fear or timidity or intimidation. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but He's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's what you've been given. My question to you tonight is, what would you do if you had no fear? What would you do if you had no fear? Where would you be working? What would you say if you really had no fear? You gotta understand, if you believe in Jesus, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But it's the spirit of intimidation. It's these dogs that are barking in our ear that often hold us back from the very thing that God's called us to. Come on, how many wanna deal with the dog? We're gonna deal with some dogs. And, and we're gonna, what I wanna do quickly tonight is just unpack how the spirit of intimidation manifests itself. Some of you are going, oh, well, you know, I don't deal with that, I'm all good. Well, maybe you're not as free as you think you are. You know, God wants us to live in freedom. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we need to, you know, right now this world is crippled by fear. It's crippled by anxiety. You know, there's a lot of stuff going around and it's because the Spirit has run rampant in our communities, in our families. But if the church can't get free, we can't bring freedom to the places around us. So, so the first dog that we're gonna deal with, we're gonna deal with a dog. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to deal with a dog. We're gonna deal with a dog tonight. That dog that has been barking in your ear, intimidating you, causing you to cross the street. We're gonna deal with a dog. The first way that the spirit of intimidation manifests itself is number one, through, is through past failure. How many of you ever stuffed up before? Yeah, just lift up your hand. You ever stuffed up? Yeah, if you didn't lift your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> Which means you, you've stuffed up just right there and then. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. But the enemy loves to come in and play on those mistakes. In fact, every time you want to step out and you want to do something for God, you know, a lot of the time there'll be a voice in our head, oh, who are you to think that? What makes you think you can do that? After what you did back then? And there's this dog that barks in our ear. Yeah, you know, I, I went through school and most of my school, you know, I went to eat my lunch and play sport. But, you know, passed, went into university. First year of university is just a repeat of the last year of high school. Surpassed that. Second year, I thought, man, I'm, I'm a real average student. And, you know, I entered my degree thinking C's get degrees. And so I was just doing enough, but I got challenged. I'm going, man, I'm going to go after an A. 
I'm going to apply myself. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to go after an A. Come the end of the semester, I didn't get an A. I got a D. I failed a whole semester up to that point. I hadn't failed something as big as that. That's, that's a whole six months. I failed and it got me in here. Yeah, I tried hard. I worked hard. And there was all these thoughts, well, maybe I'm not smart enough. In fact, one of my mates failed. He said, I'm not doing this any longer. But I knew God had called me to do this degree. How many know if God calls you to do something, He doesn't change His mind halfway through? He doesn't change His mind. And, and I knew God had called me to it, but, but now I've got to face this whole thing of failure. You know, what, what if I go back and I reset these papers and I fail again? You know, there's all these things in my head, you know, uh, going back, first day of a new semester, you know, I'm going to have to explain to the new class what I was doing last semester. It's like, what were you doing last semester? I was doing this. Oh, who's the dumb? <laughs> you, know, you know, all these thoughts in my head will go through, don't do it. But, you know, I went back, repeated a whole six months, and, you know, I'd say I learned more in that six months than I did in the rest of my degree. Why? Because I learned to face failure. Problem in the church in a lot of places is we don't have a theology on failure. We don't know how to handle failure. But the psalmist says it well in Psalm 37. It says, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and He, God, delights in His way. And it says, though He fall, Hang on, I thought, I said, God, I thought you ordered my steps. Why am I falling? Why am I failing? Though he fall, here's the good news. He will not utterly be cast down. Do you know there's times in your life where you are gonna be cast down? The person who said, give your heart to Jesus and all your problems go away is a flippin' liar. You know, there's times where you're gonna be cast down. But here's the good news. You won't utterly be cast down because God upholds you in His hands. But the problem is in many places is we face failure, we face disappointment. Come on, disappointment's real. It gets you in the gut. I've run many things over the years expecting hundreds to come. Sometimes only to find 10 people turning up. And it's like, oh, I don't wanna turn around. I don't wanna see who's there. You know, as a pastor, that just gets you, oh man, that hurts. And when it hurts like that, there's a voice inside of you go, don't do that again. Don't, don't try that again. You know, it didn't work last time. What makes you think it's gonna work this time? That time when you stepped out, you believed God and, and, and it didn't quite work out. Don't do that. That hurts. Come on, come on don't be dumb. Do you know, if I didn't learn to face failure then, I would never kept on believing the very thing that God's placed in my heart. Uh, just a month ago in January in Spark Arena, the largest arena in our country, we had a prayer meeting where we had 7,000 people show up to a prayer meeting. To a prayer meeting, how many know something's happened when 7,000 people show up to a prayer meeting, the churches in our city, you know, I was an initiator on that and got together into a prayer meeting. We run our conferences in that arena as well, a shout conference every year. But that would have never taken place if I didn't deal with 
the spirit of intimidation that manifests itself through past failure. Now, we've right now got a generation who just take for granted that we do church in arenas. But I remember the day where that wasn't the case. In fact, my daughter, you know, she's 19 years old and, and we run a combined youth thing, just our church in Auckland, and they have 1,200 young people show up. You know, when I first were in youth group, my parents were the pastors and, you know, the youth group was me, my two brothers and my sister. The joys of hanging out with them on a Friday night. <laughs> but, but here, you know, 1,200 people show up. She preaches and over 300 people give their hearts to Jesus. But it all didn't start that way. And still, there's many things that we hope for, we dream for, uh, you know, and we, we, it doesn't quote, and this disappointment is real. He's like, what are you doing? And it's this dog that barks in our ears. Don't do that. You tried it last time. Remember what happened last time? Who are you to believe that? After what you did back then? Yeah, all right for them. Yeah, they can do it. But you? No, you're messed up. No, you struggle with this. And the enemy comes and he barks in our ear through this past failure. And I want to say to you, it's a spirit. It's a spirit of intimidation. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Come on, but He's given us a spirit of power, love, and this sound mind. Come on, we need to deal with this dog. The first dog that we need to deal with is the dog of past failure. The second dog that we need to deal with is the dog of present insecurity. Insecurity. How many get insecure from time to time? Just if you, okay, I'll just wait a while because... I need to wait for the insecure people to lift their hands. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want to lift my hand. Who's watching? Oh, what do I look like? You know, it's like, I don't want to admit to that. But, but we all get insecure from time to time. Isn't that true? We all feel insecure. I grew up as a shy, insecure pastor's kid. I was so shy growing up that my mom used to put my pram away from people because I didn't like being around people. Then, then I got filled with the Spirit at the age of about 11. And I've come to realize that shyness is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, it's not love, joy, peace, patience, shyness. It's not in there. And so some of the things I accepted about myself weren't true to how God's designed me. The Bible says, the righteous shall be as bold as a lion. And, and, and then somehow I'd embrace this because of my insecurity. And, and the Holy Spirit came to me and said, Sam, you know your insecurity? I go, yeah, yeah, I know it really well. I know my insecurity. He goes, yeah, you know your insecurity actually is rooted in pride? I go, hey, how, how's that? And, and he said, well, every time you feel insecure, who are you thinking about? You're thinking about yourself. And as long as your eyes are on yourself, you can't do the very thing I'm called to do, you're called to do. It's, really, it's pride. So every time I feel insecure now, I say, Sam, stop being proud. Because God doesn't give grace to the proud, He gives grace to the humble. And the problem in a lot of places is people have got a wrong definition of humility. 
As C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. The problem in a lot of places is we're too front and center of everything we're doing. In fact, I get a lot of people coming up to me and say, go, Sam, I just wanna make a difference. I just wanna make a difference with my life. And over time, you find out it's more about the I than the difference. It's not really about the difference, it's about I. You know, am I gonna be noticed? Am I gonna be positioned? It's about the I, not the difference. But God gives grace to the humble and, and humility simply means, from, from a biblical understanding, it simply means to agree with God. So here's the deal. If God has called you to be awesome, who are you to disagree with Him? Who are you? When you look in the mirror and you go, oh man, this needs to change and different things, you're criticizing His workmanship. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you should go, man, that's awesome. That's humility. Because that's what God, it's agreeing with God. It's just agreeing with Him. He, and God gives grace. Grace is, is God's empowering presence, enabling me to be the person He's called me to be and to do, so I can do the things that He's called me to do. But our insecurity, which is rooted in pride, often stops us moving forward. God resists the proud. You know, some of us, you know, we're, we're so proud that we just limit God to what we can do. We're so proud we don't even trust God because every dream that God gives us, how many know is far and beyond us? Why would God give you a dream where you don't need Him? Why, why would He do that? Every dream that God gives us is far and beyond our ability. And it requires us to lean into Him. It requires us to trust Him. Who would have thought from New Zealand we'd be able to have churches in places like London? In Germany, we've got three locations there. In Italy, during the pandemic, we planted a church in Budapest. You know, the church has grown already 300 people there. We planted another church in, in Fiji, just launched two weeks ago, over 250 in that location. We planted a church. We launched a church in Mexico, you know, over that time. Church in Philippines, well over a thousand people, you know, just, just growing. Who would have thought from New Zealand? I was once preaching in Brazil. And they, and they go, oh, where are you from? I said, New Zealand. They go, oh, is that part of Australia? How many know they swore at me right there? <laughs> I, I love you guys. You're good brothers. But yeah, it's like New Zealand. Come on, man. New Zealand. Anyway, at the back of the, back of the church, there was a map of the world. Map of the world. And they go, oh, where's that? And so I went to point out where New Zealand was on the map. And do you know, it wasn't even on the map. <laughs> it wasn't even on the map. So what they discounted, how many know God wants to use? And, and some of you look, you feel like you're overlooked. You feel like you're insignificant. You feel like you can't do it. But if God can use somebody from New Zealand, a place where we've got more sheep than people. You know, if God can use a person from New Zealand, He can use anyone. Anyone who just chooses to believe. 
Some of you are giving God reasons why God, He can't use you. It's like Gideon, you know, God's saying, go, you mighty man of valor. And he goes, I can't, I'm from the weakest clan, I can't do all this thing. And God's saying, no, go. Go. And go in your strength. And he's going, what strength? And it's almost like God's saying, the strength you're using to tell me why you haven't got any strength. Some of us are just expending all our energy with reasons why we can't do the very thing that God's called us to. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, don't, I can't reconcile. You know, we serve a big God. And, and a big God puts a big dream in our hearts. Some of you right now, you, you, you felt the Spirit. You, you got this dream in your heart. You don't know why it's there. And your first feeling is one of inadequacy. That's a good thing. Because none of us can actually reach out and fulfill what God's called us to by ourselves. It's totally beyond us. Yeah, you can't serve a God, big God and have a small dream. Come on, unapologetically, this, this church should have a dream to reach this neighborhood, this community, but, but beyond. Come on, we need to have our apostolic dream where we see churches planted, not just in one or two locations, but in many locations. Come on, I'm here today, and I, I believe God's brought me here to unlock some of those dreams that are in your heart. Some of you, you got dreams, but you have never shared them with somebody else because you don't want to feel like, oh, that's too big. Oh, who are you? You know, what? You, you do that? that that's crazy. Do you, do you know what church is to me? Church is to me, and this is my definition of church, having grown up in church, having been around church. Church to me is simply a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher in God. That's what we are. We're just the whole lot of friends. I'm your brother from another mother from across the ditch. You know, we're just here to challenge you, challenge one another to go higher in God. I often say to our church back home, I said, we're gonna reach our city or we're gonna close our doors. We're not gonna do anything in between because that's religion. That's re no, we're gonna reach our city or we're gonna close our doors. And I found when you put your, your life and you invest into to what God's into, you know, He backs it. He comes good on His promise. Come on, we need to deal with the dog. What? Number one, deal with the dog of past failure. Number two, we need to deal with the dog of present insecurity. And if we could have the musicians up, um, that'd be great. Uh, number three, lastly, is we need to deal with the dog of perceived obstacles. Again, we serve a big God. Can I emphasize that a little bit more? It's like we serve a huge God, massive God, ginormous God. Now, beyond what you can imagine, big, big, big God, huge God, big God. You getting it? Big God, big, big God. Small problem. Small problem. Oh man, that would be big if God's done that, if God would do that. You know, some of us are going, wow, oh, that's big. I mean, no, God right now is not freaking out over a million dollars. He's big. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But that, oh, that would be big. You know, the problems that you're facing right now, they're not too hard for God. 
It's not like God goes, oh man, never seen that before. Oh, that's a difficult one. Michael, Gabriel, we better have a committee meeting to see how we're gonna work that one out. Yeah, it's like big God. There's nothing he can't do. Big God. Come on, God's bigger than cancer. God's bigger than the cost of living crisis. Come on, God's bigger than what we're facing right now, whatever we're going through. Big God. And so often we're telling God how big our problem is. That's what we do all the time. Oh, God, it's a big problem. But we need to start telling our problem how big our God is. Nothing is too difficult for Him. And we get intimidated by what's in front of us. See, the spirit of intimidation personified itself in in Goliath. He personified the spirit. He would intimidate the children of Israel. In fact, the army of Israel would get dressed for battle every morning. They'll get dressed for battle. They'll look like soldiers. They'll come to the battlefield only to have this giant taunt them. Say, oh, who are you? You know, just send one person out. And day after day, they'd go home in fear. Do you know, that's been the church over many years. The people look like Christians, believed in God, but then they go into their workplaces and they get intimidated. They can't even open their mouth. They're shy in their faith and they go home in fear. You know, a lot of people even go to a conference Say, like, oh, bold at the conference. But then when it comes to addressing issues at home, this intimidation comes over them. Oh, I don't know if I could believe God to do that. I don't know if I could believe God to bring healing in that situation. And so it's almost like every day we, we, we put on our armour, we come to the battlefield, but we don't do the very thing that we're meant to do. God wants you to live in victory. God's called us to reign in life. Some of us right now, we're being ruled by our emotions and we're being ruled by fear and we're being ruled by the opinions of others and we're being ruled by what's happening with governments and, and all the conjecture out there. Going, oh, it's just too big. It's too much. How many know our God's greater? Come on, our God's stronger. Nothing is too difficult for Him. Came, a young shepherd boy came to the scene, saw Goliath and said, what do I get if I kill him? It wasn't a question if he could kill him. He wanted to know what he would get if he killed him. What's the reward? The reward was there, pay no taxes for the rest of your life. How many know that's a good reward? He got the girl, he got, yeah, there's there's a reward there. So he didn't second guess it. He just said, okay, I'm gonna go do it. Took what he knew, took his stones and a slingshot, only took one stone. Took five with him, but only took one. Now again, this Goliath would taunt. And then David looked at him and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that defies the armies of the living God. Who is this guy? It's like, what? what? Who are you? And he looked at him and said, today, I'm gonna cut off your head. 
He didn't even have a sword. But he said, today I'm gonna cut off your head and I'm gonna feed your dead carcass to the birds of the air. We know the story. (laughs) Boom, knocks the dude out, takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head. For some of us today, we're gonna defeat these things that have been coming against God's purpose in our life. The spirit of intimidation. Some of us know these voices and we know them well. It's like this dog barking, barking. And we cross over the street time and time again. We adjust our behaviour. We accommodate something that God's saying, you don't need to live with that any longer. You don't need to live with that insecurity. You don't need to live under that spirit of condemnation. Yes, you may have done it, but you're not it. You're a new creation in Christ. Come on, with, all, with God, all things are possible. That dream that He's put in your heart, He hasn't put it in there by chance. He's put it in there because He wants to do something amazing in and through your life. You know, who would have thought we'd have 50 locations around the world? I'm just going like, no. It's like, that once was a dream. But we're living in what we prophesied 20 years ago. I said to our church, we need to prophesy for the next 20 years because we're seeing God come true to His Word. None of His words fall to the ground. He's just looking for some people who are gonna believe, who are gonna trust Him, and who are gonna overcome the Spirit. God hasn't given you, come on, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or timidity or intimidation, but He's given you a spirit. Let's say it together, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, He's given you a sound mind. I wanna speak to every mental you know, a thing that's going on, right? Mental illness. I believe God is going to work in people's lives where He's going to calm some of those negative voices. You're going to walk with a soundness of mind. You're going to walk. I believe liberty is going to come to people's lives. I'm praying that people are going to go out of this place with a new freedom. Come on, I didn't just come to, to preach a sermon. I come to impart a revelation. And I believe God wants to break something open. You ready for this? I want you to stand to your feet right now. And if you recognise, just in your life, I've shared three ways, and there's more, but just three ways in which the Spirit manifests itself in our lives. It manifests through past failure, through our present insecurities, our insecurities, and through perceived obstacles. If you recognise in your life that you've been living under that Spirit, and you want to get free, I want you to lift your hands right where you are right now. In fact, what I want to do, hands down, because I believe a physical action actually triggers a spiritual response. And yes, you could stand in your seats, and you could encounter God, but I just feel in my spirit, just by getting out of your seat, coming down, it's actually just going, I'm going to break this. I don't care what other people think. I don't want to live with this any longer. I don't want to cross, keep crossing the road. If that's you, I don't care, a whole room, a number of people lifted their hands there. But if that's you, come on, some of you will go, oh no, I don't need to, oh, I'm a mature Christian and different things. Yes, you do, because you've been living under the Spirit. And just by coming forward, I, I just feel like something's gonna break. So right now, out of your seat, let's go. Let's go, just right, right where you are. Go, 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 go. Come on, just team it. 